Although I think you get there. But you get there by making a choice to find your joy in the Lord regardless of a circumstance. Regardless of what you're facing or what you're going through. And the three things that I think really help anchor that change of mind. uh, Three things that we need to be convinced of. One, we need to be convinced that God is in control. That God is in charge of the things that are going on in our life. Next thing, we need to be convinced that the gospel needs to go forward regardless as to motive. And the last thing that we need to be convinced of, we need to be convinced that Jesus Christ is the meaning of life. If we have those three things, we'll be able to change our mind. And everybody loves somebody who has joy. I, I just recently been... I went back to school, bucket list thing. I got weird bucket lists, okay? So I've got bucket lists I want to I wanna accomplish. I wanted to run Beartooth uh, Pass. Last year we, we rode motorcycles through Beartooth Pass. Only open two months of the year. Otherwise it's under snow. Most beautiful part of the country could ever go through. Hairpins on cliffs. What could be better than that, right? So, yeah, Kathy asked me, was that fun? I said, no, it was a nightmare the entire time. The night after Beartooth, I dreamed of plunging off the cliff all night long. Because the next morning I had to get up and go back through it again. But it was a bucket list. I wanted to get it done. And it's beautiful. Honestly, very, very beautiful. Bucket list. This year we're going to South Dakota and we're going to ride the Black Hills. That's a bucket list for me. I want to go through the Black Hills. It's, uh, it's beautiful. also want to do PCH. One day PCH will come. We'll do the coast, uh, right up the coast of California. And then the last one will be... The tail of the dragon. The tail of the dragon. 318 curves in like 11 miles. Something crazy. Kathy says no. But anyways, one of, those, one of those bucket lists was to go back to school and finish school. When I went to school, when I went to college to, uh, to become a pastor, just as part of my training, I hate general ed stuff. So I took all the stuff I needed for my degree for Bible, but I never finished the general ed portion of it. So I went back to finish that stuff up. I just finished math. Oh, I hate math. I, in fact, they require posts, discussion posts, uh, every week. And every one of my discussion posts was how much I hate math (laughs) and the call for perseverance to finish. And I think But you know who I like to read when I go to the discussion page? I like to read the people who really loved it. Because when people are able to exude joy, you like to hear what they have to say. Nobody wants to hear somebody bicker, right? Nobody's lining up to, I'm going to read Jackie's post this week. I bet it says he hates math. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's what it says. But But the people who talk about the joy that they find, you know, through it. And... The, the whole ability to enjoy those things really hinges on the willingness to change your mind. Change your mind. Change your perception. Change the way you think about things. And allow God to change your heart. So he calls us here in the beginning of, of Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12... And he goes to that idea. I'm convinced God is in control. I hope you are. It says, I want you to know, brethren, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What's he saying? Do you understand what he's talking about? What has happened to me? Uh, There was a riot. They tried to pull me apart. Um, Pull me apart. You know, like one guy on arms, the other guy on legs. Pull him apart. They they, uh, tried to to uh, attack the party that was transferring him to prison, not to release him, but to kill him. They uh, threw him in prison. They're transporting him to Rome, where one day he'll stand before Caesar. And so he says, all these things that have happened to me have happened for a purpose. Well, He's saying, I'm convinced God knows what he's doing. In the midst of... An upside down life. Now we struggle with this, guys. Probably if we took a poll, one of the books people struggle with the most through the Bible is the book of Job. Because depending on how you look at Job, depending on what you look for, either you think God's playing with his life, 
Or life is hard and God's in control even in our suffering. Hmm. And either way, regardless as to how you think about Job, the response is the same either way. I bow the knee to the king. He's in charge. He's in charge. Paul says all these things have happened for the furtherance of the gospel, so that the gospel would be able to go forward. Look, I know how bad it is, but I want you to know, Paul's saying to the church of Philippi, Paul is saying to them, I want you to know, I know how bad it is, I know, I know how bad it looks, all the things, all the stories that are going on. Imagine, the newspaper is carrying all these stories about Paul, what Paul's done, what horrible crimes he's committed, you know, he eats small children, he, he killed, whatever things they're talking about, right? Look, you guys know. When you turn on the news, they tell you the truth all the time? Well, it'd be shorter list to say, do they tell you the truth? Period? Do they, everybody has an agenda, right? You think that's new? I know we think, you know, us old timers, I'm going to include myself in the old timers. Us old timers think, man, it's worse now than it ever has been. And I think, There is truly a progression, but the reality is man's always done this. Man has always painted the picture of his enemies worse. The people he doesn't... So what what were they saying about Paul? What was the rumor mill doing with Paul being arrested and, and all these bad things happening to him? And then I want you to understand the way the people are looking at it. They're thinking, bad stuff doesn't happen to you unless you're bad. Bad stuff doesn't happen to good people. If Paul was really doing what God wanted him to do, he would protect him. Well, let's be honest. That's probably the biggest struggle people have with Kathy. She goes skiing a year ago, breaks her arm, separates her shoulder. Well, there's got to be a message, right? God doesn't want you to ski. And then... The next year, she gets her cast off, and she goes up skiing, slips on the concrete, not even in the snow, slips on the concrete, falls on the same arm, breaks it again. Another surgery. Must has to be a message. God doesn't want you to ski, right? And then on Passover, we're setting up for Passover, and we're doing all this stuff for Passover and getting ready. And she goes into the kitchen to grab some stuff, and she slips and falls on the same arm. So is the message, don't go in the kitchen? <laughs> I remember when, uh, when Kathy broke her arm the second time, you know, because she's going through this too. She, we all wrestle with it, okay? It's okay. And she, she looks over and she asks me, what? What's this mean? It means you broke your arm. ultimately we're looking for a special message and more often the special message isn't what we think here's how I know that Jesus dictated seven letters to seven churches in the book of Revelation and everybody thought they were better or worse than they were but nobody had the clear vision of what was going on and there's a reason for that Kathy just taught at uh, at Idaho Falls, and I thought she had a great teaching, and I'll butcher it if I try it. So if you guys want to know about it, you should go go listen to it. But there's a point. Potter's Field Ministries, I don't know if you guys ever saw them, but the, this guy's making a pot, and he's talking about how the Lord is the potter and we're the clay, right? And he's making this pot, and he's forming this pot, and he builds this beautiful bowl. You know, it's it's big. It looks like, man, this is going to be an incredible vase or something. And he's, he's forming and he's talking about God digging the stuff out of the inside of us and God purging and working in us. And then he stops in the middle of it and he says, and then he breaks it. And he just pushes down the sides and you think, pot's run. But you see, in the breaking of the pot, the pot learns something it couldn't have learned any other way. Because in 
our brokenness. In those moments when we are broken, when God breaks us, that you come face to face with who you are. You come face to face with your issue. You have to deal with, and God's a big enough God, trust me, God's a big enough God to deal with it, but you have to deal with you being angry that God let something bad happen to you. Because you were pretty sure if I did it all right, if I was good, if I followed all the rules, nothing bad would happen to me. But that's nowhere in the Bible. Not one place. And in your brokenness, you look up to him and you go through all the emotions. Shake your fist, you're angry, you're frustrated. All that stuff will happen, but you'll reach a point. Where you find yourself just on your knees looking up to God. Because in the end, here's the one thing God wants from you. Even if you don't understand. Trust me. Trust me. All throughout the prophets, you come to Isaiah. And Isaiah the prophet, his message from 13 to through 39 really is God saying, Trust me, trust me, trust me. But God, what's going to happen? Trust me. But God, well, how's this all going to work out? Trust me. But God, I'm, I'm sick. Trust me. But God, I, I, I keep getting hurt. Trust me. And Job, you go through Job and Job and all his, his things, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it later, but in all his stuff as Job is working his way through, I think Paul's pointing straight back to him here. And then Job, before God, he just was silent. And he lifted up his arms and he praised him. And he said, I trust you. He never got his answer. Never got the answer to why the suffering. Never got the answer to why pain. But the journey, the process through it all brought Job to a greater place of trust and reliance on God than he would have had Otherwise, are you convinced God's in control? And God has a purpose. Here's the thing I, I don't know if it helps you, but here's the thing I always wanted to know. I want to know that my suffering, this imprisonment, the things that we're going through, is there a purpose to this? Or is it just empty? Does it matter at all? And I think if you, if you, erase the sovereignty of God. If you erase God's purpose and plan in it, then you erase your purpose. Now it's just empty suffering. For what? I don't know. Fallen world, broken place we live in, life's hard and then you die. We've used all those mantras, haven't we? But if I'm convinced that God is sovereign, God is in control, I may not understand my suffering, but I know it has a purpose. I know my tears matter. I know that God relishes that. The psalmist declared, the Lord says, I, I capture your tears in my bottle. They're precious to me. The psalmist declared, precious to the Lord are the death of his saints. It matters. There's a purpose. There's a purpose to it all. And if I can understand there's a purpose, then I can rejoice in the Lord. I can have joy in Him. I can rejoice for the fact that God has advanced His gospel. That's what Paul's doing. He's advanced the good news. Why? Because it has become known to the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. They know I'm here because I love Jesus. The praetorian, the whole praetorian, Caesar's official guards, they knew. The household of Caesar, some people in Caesar's household got saved. Tradition tells us that Nero kills his wife, his mother-in-law, and a couple of his kids because they're Christians. I don't know, I, I couldn't confirm. I can neither confirm or deny. But tradition tells us that that's one of the things that Caesar did. But what Paul's saying is all these things I went through, God has furthered his purpose. 
We don't always know it. We don't always get to see it. But if I change my mind, and I say, God knows what he's doing. If he broke me, he broke me for a purpose. So I'll praise him in my brokenness. I won't praise him that I'm broken. Maybe I'm not ready to do that. But I can praise him in it. I can praise him in my brokenness, in my sickness. Verse 14, he says, And most of the brothers, mark that. If you write in your Bibles, there are good things to mark. Here's a good one. Most of the brothers... Having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So he tells us, I know God's in control because I see the gospel going forward. People are getting saved as a result of my imprisonment. I don't know if those guards would have heard the gospel, but they definitely heard it while they were chained to Paul. Oh, you're a new guy. Hey, sit down. I got some things to tell you. Yeah, no, you, you couldn't get away from the guy. You couldn't get the guy to shut up. You think you could? They beat him the whole time he's sharing the gospel. They stoned him. He died. God raised him. He got up, went back into the town that stoned him, and preached again. You cannot stop a person like that. Who knows that everything I go through passes through the hands of a God who loves me. And I trust him. Trust Him. No matter what happens, no matter what goes on, Paul's declaration, I trust Him. I trust Him because it's moving forward. Evangelism is happening. In, in Philippians 4.22, it says, All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. So dude, people in Caesar's household were, were hearing about Paul. Because of his imprisonment, because of the things he went through. We know that things are happening in encouragement. The brethren are being encouraged, right? Most of the brothers are being filled with boldness. They're not afraid. They're not afraid. Well, what if they come for me? What if they kick down the door? What if they light me on fire? I think it was Stott who said, I already died. So you can't kill me. What do you mean you already died? Well, I was crucified with Christ. I died the day I got saved. Now I live for Christ. You, you can't, all you can do is usher me into his presence. He was encouraged. They're filled with boldness. They're filled with the willingness to go out. Not all. Most. Most were encouraged, most are challenged, most are recognizing the reality. Look, if God is in control and He can turn my suffering to gold, then I trust Him. What if I don't see the gold of my suffering? I trust Him. Well, why, how do you trust Him? I change my mind. You know you have... Neural pathways, ruts in your brain that explain why you do the things you do. You know how like every time, you ever like been driving somewhere, not thinking, and all of a sudden you turned the wrong way because you were going somewhere else? Oh, wait a minute, I'm not going to work, I'm really going here. I'm not going, I'm going, I thought I was... I thought I was going to school. Oh my goodness, where am I at? So we have neural pathways. We have habits, right, that, that occur within our brain. We change those habits. You change them. How do I change them? I change my mind. We'll get to it in Philippians chapter 2. You let the mind of Christ be in you. Let the mind of Christ. We change that. We change the way we think God is in control. The second thing... I am convinced that the gospel needs to go forward regardless of anyone else's motives. Look what Paul says in verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. Now a lot of times people struggle with, what does that mean? He doesn't say some people preach the gospel falsely. He didn't say that. He didn't say some people preach 
false doctrine. Oh, those things happen, but that's not what he's saying. He says the motives for some people is envy and rivalry. Some people's motives are to push down another church, another preacher, another place, to push them down, to stand up on their broken back so they can elevate themselves. You don't think they were doing that to Paul? You don't think when Paul got arrested and thrown into prison, there weren't preachers who showed up at the places where he was popular and said, hey man, you know what? Paul's getting what he deserves. This is the things he's done. These are the things that have happened in his life. And you know what? He, he, he deserves those things because they want to stand on him to elevate self. But they were still teaching the gospel. They were still sharing the good news. You mean, well, wait a minute. You mean the gospel good news can go forward if someone's uh, uh, attitudes are messed up? Yeah. Why? What do you mean? You know Caiaphas? You heard of him, right? Caiaphas is one of the high priests that arrested Jesus, beat Jesus, and kind of running his own little mob, mob of priests, the priest mob. And he had this whole deal going, right? And while they're all coming together talking about Jesus, Caiaphas said this, It is expedient that one man die for all the people. And the Bible says, you trust that, right? He prophesied. That means he spoke the word of God. And that dude, I promise you, is not in heaven. And that guy did not have good motives. But it didn't stop God from speaking truth through his mouth. Paul says, even these guys who envy me, even those guys who have a rivalry with me, who want to push me down, just like people will do, just like people will take pot shots at uh, uh, the biggest church in town. Or they'll take pot shots at, uh, at you know different preachers for different things. I heard, I heard recently we're a biker church. You guys, a bunch of bikers. Yeah, there's like three people that are like, well, that's cool, but wait. Yeah, I don't know. I ride a bike. I have a beard and long hair. Sorry. Feels good when I ride a bike and my hair blows in the wind. If you want to know the truth, both of my brothers are bald, and every time I ride that motorcycle with my hair blown, I take a picture and send it to them. <laughs> I say, look. And they all say, what are you doing with long hair? And I say, I can. <laughs> I don't know. People will, people will use whatever, right? But Paul would say, I'm not sweating it. What's important is the gospel goes out. So if somewhere somebody stands on the back of someone else and puts them down to preach the gospel, Paul said, even though what they're trying to do is elevate themselves, you guys know how people do that, right? You ever had somebody push you down to stand up on you so they felt better? Well, that's what Paul's talking about. But he says, but you know what? Who cares they push me down? I tell people that come into ministry a couple of things. Um... Nobody likes a speech. Usually Kathy calls them afterwards to tell them sorry. <laughs> but I have this speech. You come into ministry. One, you're going to lose all your friends. Oh, no. Okay. Just be ready. You're going to lose all your friends. And people are going to get mad at you for the weirdest stuff. Two, don't defend yourself. If you defend yourself, defending yourself is all you're going to do. So just say you're sorry and move on. Because that's just how it is. Those are the things, that's just the reality. That's how the cookie crumbles. And this is what Paul's saying. Look, don't, I'm not going to defend myself. I'm not going to stand up and, and preach about how that guy over there is, you know, the th stories he's saying about me are not true. He just says, you know what? I'm just glad the gospel went out. Is it about you or him? See, this is the trick. 
Our pride is sneaky. It's not always the being proud of ourselves that's our pride. Sometimes our pride is all those insecurities. Sometimes our pride are all those things that make us think of me, 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 me all the time. I get me-itis. That's pride. That's pride. I'm thinking about myself. We all want vindication. Didn't Mary want vindication? Mary lived her whole life. Jesus' mother, Mary, lived her whole life. Everyone thinking she was a tramp. That she cheated on her husband. That she went off and had some secret affair and had this baby named Jesus. And that followed her her entire life. You don't think she wanted vindication? You don't think she wanted Jesus to do some magical, mysterious thing in front of all the people so they would know once and for all that what she, what she was was holy? But she didn't get her vindication. She got crucifixion instead. You don't think sometimes God's people don't want that Job throughout the whole book It's calling out for vindication. God, tell them, it's not my sin that brought this on. But everybody around is saying, Job must have done something wrong for him to lose his family, for him to lose everything he has, for him to lose all his stuff, for him to go through all that suffering. He must have done something bad. You don't think Job's crying out, God, vindicate me. And all the while, God's just saying, Job, trust me. Trust me. It's not about me. It's about the gospel going out. It's about people learning about the power of God. The love of God. Sometimes they do that by watching God's people suffer. Mm, 15 years ago, probably 15 years ago, something close to that. Kathy and I was assistant pastor of Pastor Gerald Hagerman at Joshua Springs. We were pretty close, close as I was to anybody. Was in the hospital when his wife was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. They told her she had two weeks to live. I think she lived a year or two years. I don't remember. But um, they told her she had two weeks. And here's what she said. First words, I want to die in faith her first prayer God help me trust you all the way through death I want to glorify you by how I die that's a powerful prayer now the rest of us were praying God heal her take it away and a lot of people suffered. How could God allow this to happen to somebody who's, who's given up so much for him? Done so much for him? How can, if God can allow that to happen to her, what will he let happen to me? I don't know. But whatever it is, what he wants you to do is trust him. Because he never promised us pain free. He did promise this. My hope in Christ... He says, see, I make all things new. My hope in Christ, he, one day I'm going to feel his nail-scarred hand touch my cheek. And he's going to wipe away every drop of pain I ever had. He's going to wipe away every tear. That's my hope. I don't know what you hope in without him. Same life comes for us all. So I am convinced God is in control and I'm convinced that the gospel needs to go out. The gospel needs to go forward regardless of the reason. I'm not going to defend myself. He says in verse 17, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, uh, thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. They're putting Paul down, saying things he can't defend. So Paul recognizes they have different motives but then he responds well why does he respond well because he rejoices that the gospel's going out he changes his mind he doesn't rejoice that they're attacking him he rejoices that the gospel's going forward what then in verse 18 only that in every way whether in pretense or truth 
Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice, and I will rejoice. I rejoice that the good news goes forward. Because we overcome evil with good. We think the thoughts of Christ. We see with His eyes. We love with His heart. We, we, our emotions are key. Should be, should be linked to His emotion. In, in Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Listen. He says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Do what's right, even if nobody's watching. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing, by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. So do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Just don't defend yourself. Nothing comes out of it. Just makes a longer argument. I found arguments go over a lot quicker when I say, you know, I'm sorry. It wasn't my intention to upset you. Will you forgive me? You know how quick that's over? Well, if it keeps going on, then I'm pretty sure the problem's not with me. Right? No, I won't forgive you. Okay, sorry. But I can rejoice. Can rejoice in following what the Lord said. First Peter two twenty one. Peter writes it this way For to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in His steps. We want to follow the steps of Christ. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. He did nothing wrong. Totally innocent. That, by the way, has never been said of any of us. I am never totally innocent. Uh, most of the time, if somebody has offense, I did something offensive. It might not have been my intent to offend, but it doesn't change the fact that it occurred, right? Jesus is the one who was perfect. Jackie is not perfect. Ask Kathy. Somewhere she still has a list. She rolled out a list on me one time. Listen, Mr. Not So Perfect. Verse 23 says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. That means when they cursed him, shouted at him, called him names, threw their hatred on him, he didn't hate him back. He didn't hate him back. When they reviled him, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, when they hurt him, he did not threaten them. He just continued entrusting himself to the one who judges rightly. What did he do? He's our example, right? He said, I trust you, Father. I trust you. No matter what they did or said, his response was to trust the Lord. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like straying like sheep. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. I want to respond that way. So I have to change my mind. Not about me. It's about him. It's about furthering his gospel, allowing the good news to go forward. It's about recognizing that nothing is happening just to happen. I trust him. In fact, I rely on him. That's what he says in Philippians 1.19. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Now, 
I'm not sure why they use that word deliverance. The word, the Greek word there is sozo. He's saying, I'm going to be saved through all of this. That's what he's saying. All your prayers, all the things you're going on, I'm saved through it all. Because his eyes are on the prize, not on the suffering. His eyes are on the prize. He's got his eyes on his Lord and Savior. When Stephen went through that time of suffering, right? When the, when the people couldn't handle the things he was saying to them, and they gnashed at him with their teeth, and they picked up stones, and they began throwing it at him. And slowly, over time, being pelted with stones, he eventually loses consciousness until they finally hit him with a big enough stone to take his life. Where was Jesus? Bible says Stephen looked up into heaven and Jesus was standing up saying, Come on. Come on. Hebrews, it says, The world is not worthy of them. World's not worthy of those who trust me so much. No matter what happens. So Jesus is standing with his arms out saying, come home. That's the worst they can do to you. Come to me. You're mine. And we trust God for what he will do. Paul says, all these things save me. They save me. They're saving me. I'm looking to Jesus. And the more this place looks like some place, I'm not, I'm not clinging to any of it. I, I'm not looking for another day in prison. Man, I want a day in heaven. I'm looking for the Lord, my Lord and Savior. I know that it's refining. No, I know that it's making me the person I want to be. I know that I'm becoming more like Jesus because Jesus suffered too. I know that I'm becoming more a man of love, more a man of humility. I know that you're turning my suffering to gold. I know I need this. That's what Paul's saying. I know I need this. This is how Job said it. Let me have silence and I will speak. Let come on me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hand? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. I will trust him. He takes all my children. I will trust in Him. He takes all my stuff. I will trust in Him. Though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. He's my hope. Yet I will argue my ways to His face. I don't know what I did. I don't, I don't think I did anything. So I'll say to God, I don't think I did anything. He gets that meeting. You guys know that, right? The Lord shows up and says, Job, here I am. And Job says, I closed my mouth. I bowed my knee. You're the king. I trust you. Because he knows he doesn't have to defend himself to the king. He wasn't being punished for his sin. He wasn't being punished for some evil he'd done. It wasn't something he had earned. It was a work God was working through him. So God says to Job, were you there? When I created the heavens, when I put the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, were you there when I tamed chaos, when I grabbed Leviathan and wrestled him, or when I placed Behemoth where he was? Were, were you there? Job said, No. Trust you, Lord trust you I don't always know why I just know I trust you he says in verse 16 in Job 13 this will be my salvation 
that the godless shall not come before him. All this is working out salvation because the godless won't stand before God. Not in the same way Job's going to. Keep listening to my words. Let my declaration be in your ears. Behold, I prepared a case. I know I shall be in the right. What's he saying? I know one day I will be vindicated. It's the same thing that the, that the martyrs under the throne in, in Revelation chapter 6 are crying out to God. How long, God, until we're vindicated? They killed us. They slayed us. They chopped off our head. They treated us shamefully, God. And you didn't swoop down out of the heavens and shoot them with lightning bolts. You didn't, you didn't take care of it, God. How long till you do? Revelation 6, when the snap of the first seal happens, by the sixth seal, man is hiding in caves and under rocks, saying, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. Vindication comes. Vindication comes, God's times table, not mine. But God desires not... For the destruction of the wicked, but that the wicked would repent and live. Why does he wait so long? Because we're knuckleheads. Are you kidding me? How long did it take you? You coming out of the womb just walking with the Lord, did you? Well, hallelujah. That's not my story. Took me a long time. And I praise God he waited for me and I'm okay if he wants to wait for somebody else too. So I trust him. The gospel will go forward and he will accomplish his purpose. Job, he was right. He hadn't failed God. Paul was right. He hadn't failed God either. They trust in him. The last thing I want to know, the meaning of life is Jesus Christ. People run around the world looking for the meaning of life. Believers have had it for a long time. We've had it. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed. I will not at all be disappointed. This is my hope. This is my expectation. But that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be glorified in my body. Whether I live or die. He is the meaning of my life. He is the purpose. Submission to the Lord, submission to Christ, it engenders boldness. The ancient Hebrew battle cry, Rock Kasak. Rock Kasak, it means be strong and of good courage. You've heard that before, right? Joshua 1 9. Only be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. He says it over and over and over in Joshua 1.1. Over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament. What's he proclaiming? Rock kasak. Be strong. And courageous. Be strong. And courageous. Be strong. And courageous. Submission to the Lord gives us strength. Our strength comes from Him. Submission to the Lord brings Him glory. When I bow, if I bow my knee and tip my head to the headsman's axe, I bring glory to God. I bow my knee to Him, it glorifies Him. When I bow my knee in my suffering and praise His name, it brings Him glory. When I bow my knee in my sorrow, my pain, and my suffering, it brings Him glory. It glorifies Him when I acknowledge that He is my meaning. It's about Him. It's about what He provides. Submission to Christ gives life meaning. For to me, to live is Christ. God is in control. The gospel is moving forward. 
regardless as to people's motives. And Christ is the meaning of life. That's how I rejoice. I change my mind. I'm not the meaning of life. If I was the meaning of life, you would all be so disappointed. But if I'm not the meaning of life, you're not the meaning of life either. Feeding the poor is not the meaning of life. Visiting the sick is not the meaning of life. Glorifying God by enjoying Him forever. That's how John Piper said it. It's beautiful. Glorifying God by enjoying Him forever. That's the meaning of life. We're not really living. Surviving is not living. Existing is not living. Living happens when you glorify God by enjoying Him forever. Change your mind. We don't have it all figured out. We think pain equals something bad. No pain equals something good. Sometimes pain's good. Sometimes suffering brings glory to God. Sometimes in the quiet, when all the noise stops, close your eyes and think. Look back. Ask God to show you the fingerprints. Because they've been all over your life from the beginning. He's been there. Moving. Working. Shaping. Growing. They're all there. You just ask Him to give you eyes to see. And you'll see it. Maybe that'll give you the motivation you need to say, I'm going to change my mind so I can have joy. Because he's the king. He's a good king. And I love him. No matter what happens. Till the wheels fall off. Me and him. No matter what occurs, I find my joy in him. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? Amen. Why don't you guys stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. We can study your word. Lord, we thank you for the message of Philippians, the challenge to change our mind, to love one another, to change our mind, to see that, God, you are in control. God, you are accomplishing your purpose through the events of my life and the meaning of life is you. So if I keep that in focus, I can rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. I can rejoice not necessarily in my suffering, my pain, my hardship, although that may come. But I can always rejoice in you, who you are. You are my king. You crossed chasms I can never even fathom just to put my shoes on. To provide an atonement for mankind. You, you endured things that if I spent all the days of my life pondering, I would never be able to understand. How an infinite, holy, pure, perfect God lived in a womb, was born, suckled at his mother's breast, grew, and one day walked out, was baptized by a cousin declared to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world was hated without cause beaten crucified killed and buried 
proclaimed victory in Abraham's bosom rose from the dead ascended to the right hand of the father and ever lives to make intercession for me I don't know what that looks like that that looks like a man I will follow anywhere so where you lead me I will go who you love I'll love what you hate I will hate I will speak the words you give me to speak and if you haven't given them to me I'll shut my mouth I will listen I will hear and I will obey for you are worthy all my praise all my love you are worthy and i don't know why all the wise i don't understand all the wise maybe i never will i don't need to i know who i know you so when i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil because you are with me you're here now in the fire you're here now in my suffering you're here now in my pain you're here now and one day soon you'll wipe it all away So God, I submit holy to you. You are my meaning. And I will enjoy all the good gifts you give as I honor you in them and glorify you by them. praise you that you are the one who is able to keep me from falling and to present me faultless before the father you are god almighty and i give you praise in jesus name amen Fall apart 